Hey everyone, welcome to the Pot Awareness Podcast and thanks for joining me. This podcast is specifically for about educating and raising awareness for animals and rescues and organizations across the United States and world. It really goes a long way towards this mission when our listeners rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and all of our other podcast platforms. Also, be sure to check us out on our official website at pawawareness.org and on social media at TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram at pawawareness underscore podcast. You can check us out for all of our latest bits and clips of our podcast, as well as pet of the week and pet of the month. If you're listening and involved with an animal rescue organization or have a story of your own that you want to share, reach out to us at info at pawawareness.org and we can get you on the podcast. Thanks for watching and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of the Paw Awareness Podcast. Today I'm speaking with Susanna Gardner. She is a, an animal rights um, lawyer, just deals with all of the law behind all of that and retired lawyer. I want you to go ahead and introduce yourself and what it is that you're currently doing and let's get into it. So uh, thanks a lot for coming on. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. And uh, as I said before we started, this is my favorite topic in the world, talking about pets. Um, So as background, um, so I started the first animal rights law firm in Canada. There were a couple in the U.S. before I launched, and that was almost 10 years ago. And uh, now I've moved into advocacy work. So I founded an organization that is nonprofit. It's called Animal Law Advocacy. And we really promote um, increased awareness, education on animals and uh, their human guardians and that whole relationship and how the laws can change and update to help our furry friends. And is that something that you, you, all, you initially started in in your career did you start right out of the gate um, with, you know, passion for animals or is that something that kind of came over time? So I've always loved animals and I always wanted to do something related to animals in my career. Um, However, 20 years ago when I went to law school, became an attorney, there was no such thing as animal law, really. So um, what I did was I started in a volunteer capacity. So my first experience really was as a volunteer at an animal shelter, which was a municipal pound. And I really got to know the animals as individuals, personalities, fell in love with so many of them, and then realized so many problems that were happening um, that prevented um, the animals to get adopted. And also the laws were very limiting. And so that really motivated me, inspired me to start an animal law practice. Yeah. And I, I saw that you wrote, it was a thesis in regards around euthanasia in animal shelters. And I just, what are your thoughts on that? And what exactly, what problem, I want you to kind of speak on it. Like what problem were you seeing and what problem are you trying to solve with that particular thesis? 
Oh, sure. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. Chris, good. You did your homework. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. So I did. I wrote my thesis. I was really lucky to have um, a professor loved animals. She, she was a cat lover. And when I approached her initially, I was really nervous about writing a thesis on euthanasia rates and shelters. Um, however, she was very open-minded. And so she allowed me that opportunity. And that really uh, awoken me to the idea that these animals and shelters are completely helpless and they result from overpopulation and spay neuter, lack of spay neuter programs, and also human irresponsible pet ownership. Um, that seemed to be the typical scenario uh, with respect to the um, scenario that would happen where an animal ends up in a shelter, left homeless. Wow. And I think that's amazing that you, I really like how you're combining your expertise of, of law with animal rights. And I think that's, that's what I, I just, I think it's so important for people, not only with animals, but just anything, any problem, there's probably something that you're an expert in that you could help out with a, a big problem. And I, I want to know too, you know, you're, you, you said you created the first law firm, like the animal rights in, in Canada. And, and you're, you know, you're just one person. Where are you seeing your energies and time, whether it's you or your entire law firm that's spending, spending your time on on like what issues, what big issues are you seeing that you're really kind of trying to tackle right now? Yeah. So the biggest issues uh, are related to the law. Um, So whenever a case would come in and the most popular cases seem to be uh, regarding pet custody disputes. So you'd have, Fido, right, a dog who's loved by both couples, and they're about to split. Uh, And they both want possession of their dog, understandably. The dog is their family. The stumbling blocks for me and my staff would be when we work on these cases is to try to create really a resolution that is favorable for the dog, for Fido, as an example, Um, because in our laws, pets are treated as property. They are regarded as our possessions. So that was a major stumbling block because if the couple decided to go to court, then the judge would have uh, ownership in terms of what ruling uh, he or she would grant and it wouldn't necessarily have the best interests of the dog Fido in mind. And so that was a major problem in my practice. So if I understand correctly, it's not treated as kids where it's like, all right, you get to see Fido on the weekend. Like that just doesn't happen. Right. So like, yeah, so it doesn't historically happen. However, the good news is, is that it is, slowly starting to change. So, for example, where you are in California, the the laws have been updated in divorce cases to recognize a family pet as more than just a shadow, as more than a possession property. And so now what we're seeing in um, certain states, for example, Alaska, Illinois, California, where the pet's interests and well-being are considered in these divorce cases. So that's super exciting. However, other places are still slow. So for example, where I am in Canada, uh, that has not been recognized yet in Toronto, Ontario. Gotcha. And so, and you mentioned this before the call is 
how you're located in Canada. However, you are familiar with United States law. So it's it seems like every not only every country, but every state kind of has slightly different rules. Is that right? That's right. Yes, that's correct. And when it comes to when it comes to tackling an issue like that, do couples just approach you like is that like a do you get that a lot is there, you said animal custody is your main issue that you're dealing with right yeah now. that was a big one that that is a big one and I've, I've had clients um even in california so in north america approach me uh to try to resolve these disputes out of court uh because i think most people realize that the laws uh, not favoring um, their companion animal. So once we have that discussion, we try to resolve it out of court so that both parties are happy. It doesn't always happen that way, obviously. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, that's amazing. I think it is a big issue when couples get pets and, and I can't even imagine what that's like, not being able to see your pet who to some yeah. people is like a, like a child. Um, yes. And so that's a huge issue. And <laughs> Yeah, so I want I want to talk with you about the animal law advocacy. I know that you just recently started this here in 2020, and where like what are some issues that you want to that you're kind of seeing that you want to start tackling? What are your goals with this? I know you mentioned pot. You're in the process of writing a book. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things that you're excited to kind of to tackle here? Well, I'm super excited about. Um, gathering with groups of people like-minded such as yourself and myself and really um, coming together and uh, updating the laws, the policies, because it's our united voices that can really make change. I've seen that in my own experience, even when I volunteered before I started my animal law practice at the shelter. And then I worked with um, government officials uh, personally as a volunteer again um, to try to update some laws. And we were successful. So that really excites me because until the laws change, really, there isn't much that can be done unless it's individually, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And at the beginning, you mentioned how when you were writing that thesis that that particularly some of the laws were, I think you might have used the word restricting. I don't yes. remember. And so can you kind of for someone who isn't who may not be familiar with those laws myself and maybe some of the audience, what are what's an example of that? What does that kind of look like? Uh, from that point. Sure. Yeah. So, for example, um, with regard to shelter animals, um, where I am and in many places, uh, they really don't have rights. They become the property of the shelter. And if a person like yourself, um, your dog goes missing and the shelter takes ownership and possession of your dog, there are time limits as to how long your dog is held in the shelter. Some places it's 72 hours um, before they can make a decision to euthanize someone's pet. So those types of issues really, uh, really infuriate me um, and really need updating. Like they're just so obsolete. And I would say most of us would not be happy to hear that. So I'm, I want to pursue those types of laws that are uh, unfair, I'd say, and, and historically uh, outdated. And what is that? I'm, I'm curious too, from your standpoint, 
Like what, what does that look like from your end versus someone who doesn't have maybe the background knowledge or maybe even connections that you have? I guess what I'm trying to get at here is it's kind of a two-part question is one is what are, what are you doing? What does that look like on your end? And then my next question is, is what can it, what can someone do if someone can do anything like an average Joe to help kind of update these laws or speed up to where that isn't the case anymore? Yeah, that's an amazing question. Thank you so much for asking that because I don't want to leave anyone feeling helpless because every one of us, can make a difference um, in this movement, I like to call it. Um, For example, adopting a pet from a shelter. Number one, um, so many people adopted pets in the pandemic. Unfortunately, many of them went to breeders. So that's something that we can all individually educate our friends and family. That's a start. If you can rescue, if you can foster, I saw your brochure on foster. I didn't get a chance to read it yet. I'm super excited. So I subscribed and I'm going to read it. Um, That is another, again, opportunity where one life can be saved. And then in terms of the laws, the policies, I would say petitions, work, um, getting the mainstream opinion on our side so that more people can really understand what's happening. People turn a blind eye because they don't know what to do. And getting to know uh, local politicians, it's not that hard that love animals, most do. And bringing these petitions to them, um, activism is another way that a person can get involved. Um, You had posted uh, American Humane Society and other organizations, which is amazing. So there are so many ways to get involved individually to make changes. You don't have to go you know, before the Senate and uh, advocate like I would, because that's my profession. It's different. Um, but we're all making a difference. And that's why this, even this conversation right now is very exciting for me. Yeah. Because really, we're bringing awareness. It's all about awareness. Exactly. And what I found too is it's, it's and I'm not saying this is the case all the time, but sometimes these people that are going to breeders or they want a particular dog, they just don't even know that mm-hmm. there's an opportunity cost to not to not get, getting that animal out of a shelter. There's so you know by you taking that animal from a breeder, there's you could be you know, and I'm not gonna bash anyone for what they do. I would never <clears throat> go the breeder route, but like at yeah. the end of the day, it's like just present. I like have that conversation in your head, like. That like just know what what's going on here, and yes. I'm curious too. And you and maybe you know the answer to this. Like some of these laws that you mentioned are a little bit older. Um, to change a law or, or whatever it may be, um, what ex- like how long? Like what's the time process on that? Is that a lengthy? Is that going to take like months, years? What, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, it could. It depends on the on the law itself. Um, it can take months or years. Um, I, I would say that municipal laws, so local city laws, I would think are easier to, to pass um, as opposed to federal laws, like the anti-cruelty legislation that was passed in the United States. I mean, that took longer. Um, it, it was a federal law. So you need you need the states in, you know, in consensus to be able to pass it. Um, but, you know, change is possible. And I think we're in a really exciting time for our pets and for animal rights. I mean, so much is happening now. 
um, that there is momentum to, to build more, um, more unification, like amongst uh, people, and then um, to get uh, organized, like to get more consensus. Yeah. And that kind of leads me into the next question I wanted to ask you, you know, based on unification and organization, I, I feel like at least here in the States, every state is battling kind of their own issue geographically, just oh, there's so many different variables. And I'm curious too, and maybe you, I don't know if you can speak on this or not, but what would you say is like, what's the state of Canada right now in terms of animal rescue? How would you maybe compare it to that of the States? I don't know if you can speak on that or not, but what are you seeing from your end there? Sure. Well, I mean, having lived in the States, so I did live in California and now I'm back in Canada. I'm hoping to go back to California (laughs) one day. Um, I see, uh, and I'm using California as an example because I've had the experience of living there. Um, I'd say a more united front. So I think California is more progressive than where I am at the moment, Ontario, Canada. However, both places I have found have amazing people involved in the rescue communities. And it's just that unification process that I feel is is missing for for so many of us to become a united front um, and to get our messages out into the mainstream. That's what I feel would be really uh, good for the movement for animals. Yeah. And I think it's exciting that, uh, you know, people such as yourself are even using your own personal brand platform, right? On top of to speak about some of these issues. I think it's so, so awesome that you're, oh, that you're doing that. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I wanted to ask too, uh, what would you like, where can people find you and follow you and, and just kind of, you know, just stay up to date with, with what you're doing? Oh, sure. Thank you so much. Yeah. So there is, I have two Instagrams. So there's, if they're interested in learning about global animal law news and hopefully getting inspired. I like to post positive stories and uh, laws that are happening around the world. Then they can follow Animal Law Advocacy. So that's the nonprofit organization. And then the personal brand is Susanna Gartner, which is more lifestyle. Um, I do as much as I can post about my own uh, rescue family members and uh, highlight their stories and um, and any ways that people want to get involved, they can they can DM me or they can shoot me an email, Susanna Gartner at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to have a conversation and connect with them. Awesome. And I will post a link to those in the description below, wherever uh, the audience is listening at. You guys can check that out. Um, Susanna, I want to say thank you so much for coming on. Um, it was a pleasure getting to speak with you. And I think I'm really excited to see what, you you know, just everything you're doing kind of unfold. And you just gave, gave me a lot of hope with what we can do, just what one person can do with in their community with the law there. So I really like that. Oh, thank you so much. And likewise, um, it's a pleasure to speak with you and love your story, your rescue story, personalizing it and doing what you're doing is definitely giving a voice to our animal friends and making a difference. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you a lot. Yeah. We all have something we can bring to the table Yes, and it's just about just, you know, being passionate about it and 
seeing that you can bring to the table. You're over here bringing your law skills. Like, I feel like I'm a pretty good marketer and I just like SEO and stuff like that. So that's, I'm like, all right, why not just put this towards some animal rights and animal rescue. So, um, so yeah, no, that's great. And I definitely want to have you back on. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much.